welcome to the PK Triathlon Podcast. Uh, this week, once again, I'm joined by Kate Charlton and my name is Paul Jones. Uh, we're joined by Alan Copeland, who is well known in the triathlon scene within um, GB, really. He's currently coach and triathlon development officer at Leeds Triathlon Centre. He's got various other hats and I might actually get him to introduce those. I've known Alan for a, a little while. I remember a funny story about when he first started in triathlon. Um, but we might get to that later on. Yeah, maybe just say hi, Alan. Hey, everybody. Hi, Alan. Hey, both. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Really odd times, but uh, conducting these things in the kitchen rather than face to face is 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 odd. But uh, but I, I think I think there's going to be lots of good comes from this. I I feel quite connected generally. Lots of this video calling's happened much more than I would have done normally. So, so I think there's a few positives going to come out of this. Excellent. And of course, it's really close to the kitchen, so you can wash up and make a all the time. Yeah. The kettle is almost within arm's length. <laughs> so today, Alan's going to share some of um, his journey about triathlon and his coaching and offer you, our PK Triathlon Podcast listeners, um, some advice. For our, for our listeners, I'll just to, to make you aware, uh, we're generally aiming at new triathletes mm-hmm. and intermediate triathletes. So, you know, simple advice that everybody can use is always good. But um, I'm going to pass over to Paul so we can start the questions about how you got into try. Cool. Obviously, know a little bit about your background, Alan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I believe you started as a pretty good swimmer as a youngster. Um, but what got you into triathlon and then racing in triathlon? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of quite a well-known story, I think, for in, well, certainly in the Northeast. Uh, I was a swimmer when I was younger, finished at 18, fell off the edge of the cliff and kind of just let, let it go for, for about 15 years. And then uh, when the kids came along, I was, uh, I was wondering how the hell am I going to keep up with these two little balls of energy? So I started swimming again at lunchtime to get rid of a bit of a bit of weight and I uh, bumped into a couple of triathletes at the local pool and uh, kind of got quite quickly taken along on the, on the wave. I'm sure all the, the, the novice and intermediate triathletes that are, that are listening are kind of, have had that feeling of getting all excited about something new and, uh, and really getting carried away with the, with the whole, uh, whole triathlon environment. Cool. And what was your first race? Can you remember that? First race, Paul, I can remember that quite vividly. It was the Annick Triathlon in 2007. And I remember thinking, you have to be some kind of machine in order to be able to do a triathlon. So I was really, really nervous until I turned up. And then I saw the whole, everybody, the whole world was there, all shapes and sizes. And that made me feel a lot better. And what was that day like? Tell us a little bit more about that first triathlon for you. Well, at first, the thing that struck me more than anything, coming having been a competitive swimmer in my youth, is the amount of connection between all of the athletes that were there, the lack of ego and the atmosphere, the communication, the camaraderie. I don't like the word camaraderie, but the, the connection between people who were there. And everyone was generally interested in one another. So I had such a good time racking the bike up in transition and you know, people came over to say, oh no, do it this way, do it that way, put your shoes over there, why don't you hang your helmet there and all that kind of stuff. Everyone was really willing to, to help and just be kind of interested in who you were and ah, this is a new face and let's welcome them into the triathlon community. 
That's nice. I also remember, Al, that Anik Trifer is probably one of the first triathlons that anybody ever does. Mm. And I remember you being there at my first Anik Try. Yeah. Playing that advisory, mentory, um, teammate role, doing exactly what you've just talked about around giving advice. I remember you hanging over the railings going, Kate, do that, do this, do yeah. this. Yeah. And that's one of the things that stays with me to this day. So that Anik, as you know, it's a pool-based triathlon. So your start time could be any time within about a three-hour three hour period. But I always made sure I was there. And I still do now. I still try and get there every year. And I, and I always make sure that I'm first into transition and last out just to soak up that atmosphere and just to kind of, hang out with the people who were who were getting involved for the first time people i've known for years and years by now and just kind of catch up with people and and meet all the all the people who are doing it for the first time i like standing there with my cowbell now <laughs> yeah that has become a feature in recent years hasn't it, it has. <laughs> so what so i mean you've mentioned a few things there that you enjoy about the sport what do you enjoy most about the sport of try what do i enjoy most that, yes. that is what I enjoy most. I, I enjoy the fact that it it doesn't come with a. It, is this uh, is this podcast suitable for for uh, for the odd swear word? Because I'm I'm likely to to go into that. It. It's it's not up its own arse. It's <laughs> I, I like the fact that people have got time for one another within triathlon. That's the thing I like most about it. I also like the fact that it's still in in the grand scheme of things, it's still relative a relatively new sport. And it's quite forward thinking and it's quite open to, to new suggestions and new stuff and you get less of, so with swimming, for instance, where I come from, I'll keep referring back to swimming because that was my main sport as a, as a youngster. But uh, compared to swimming, it's, there's very much less of this is the way we do it here and very much more of what can we do to make it better. I agree with that as well. I would actually say, you know, I've come from a swim background and, and th- there's less barriers in triathlon than there is in a lot of different sports. Um, yeah. I would also say probably within athletics as well. Um, yeah. uh, you can, you go to triathlon and there's a, there's a lot of lateral thinking about how things can happen. It's one of the reasons I'm kind of hopeful that we get some events towards the end of the year. Cause a bit of lateral thinking could allow some events to happen. Yeah. Um, whether it does or it doesn't, I don't think it will be within our control, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it is really good. And there's never one way to deliver stuff either yeah. as well so when you from a coaching point of view there's always lots of bits of lateral thinking going on and, yeah. and it's not just right it's 10 100s off 130 yeah. or whatever the swim set may have been and yeah. Um, so yeah so it's uh i agree with that absolutely i also like the, the the opportunity that people have to to kind of compete at a relatively high level and across the world all the way through your sporting life to right the way up to you know 85 plus you can go and represent GB across the world. I love that. That's I think funny. Kate's got Kate's got visions of trying to get to Hawaii when she's seventy something. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm just taking my time, biding my time. One of my questions in relation to that about the forward thinking and the lateral thinking of British triathlon. I mean, do you think that's driven um, from the leadership and therefore because the leadership's changed over? Mm the last few years and so are they looking for certain people to form the basis of brick try 
And, and are they also looking for that in their coaching team, the wider coaching team? Absolutely. The, the, as, as, a, as an organisation, as a federation, you know, I'm, I'm relatively closely connected with British Triathlon, so I don't speak for them. I just, I just speak for, for what my experience is. And, uh, and yeah, they're definitely willing to, to, to invest in, in kind of different, different points of view. So a lot of the, uh, the major team members at the minute come from other sports. They're not necessarily triathlon people. And uh, the performance director, for instance, has come from British Athletics. We've got a lot of people who've been uh, involved in, in sport development as well. That's a, that's a big, there's been a new appointment made at British Triathlon that around the coaching uh, I, I don't know what her title is but Michelle comes from coach development in Yorkshire so there's there's a lot of focus and a lot of motivation to to toward developing people and that kind of sits at the center of the of the organization's strategy philosophy objectives I'd agree with that it's, it's been that way for a few years hasn't it mm. um yeah not when Norman Brooke was CEO and when I was there it was very sort of investing in the people and and building it up and it's uh it continues to grow so it's really pleasing to see and when i compare that to other places in the world it's um it is a bit it is different on how britain has set it up um and that's really good predominantly because we're geographically massively different to 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 maybe australia or something like that um you and i've been coaching a long time alan i think we did level three together um We we did yeah we did, and we had a. That was kind of a cool group, wasn't it? Because it uh, was, yeah. Mm. So there must be uh, so, stories from that then. Well, we can't put them on the podcast, Alan, can we? No. no. It was Facebook friends with Johnny Ryle now, so I'm off to some dirt on Paul. <laughs> so I'll be uh, texting you later, Al. There's, there's loads of it. There's loads of it. But what was good about that, and that kind of fits into what we're talking about, about the forward thinking of the, and the, the, the connectedness of the, of the organization, the process. I think the, the, the guys that facilitated our course, Mark and Paul, were um, very much less interested in the, the textbook stuff. That could happen in between contact sessions. While we've got 12 or 16, however many was in the group, while we've got those people in the room, let's make use of them. And let's, you know, let's broadly dangle the subjects that we're going to learn about and let's, let's think about our own experiences and get our thoughts and feelings and expectations out in, in that group environment. And, I, and I've said that all the way through my coaching career. I've got just as much value, if not more, from the other people in the room than I ever have from materials and textbooks and, and training courses. Because I'm currently three-quarters away through my level two diploma um and and the same i guess ethos around the 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 content um is for that so we get a lot Mm. of stuff on on the btf hub that we work through but those conversations over the weekend are very open to the 12 people that sat around the table yeah definitely and that that's one of the things that appeals that that about the sport to me is the the connectedness of the people yeah okay so what's your most memorable moment in your coaching career so i've got low apart from me on the level three course apart from you on the level three course paul i've got i've got absolutely loads and coaching me and coaching kate of course (laughs) 
But loads I've got. So getting the, the, a chap I work with, got, we got him through his first Ironman from kind of virtually nothing. We've, I've coached athletes who've uh, got on the podium at the Youth and Junior Super Series. I'm currently from time to time working with Olympic athletes. All highlights, but but there's a highlight every day, I think. I mean, it's, it's a bit cheesy and a bit, you know, it's a bit cringy to say, but, but working in this environment and working with the people with whom I do, it's, it, every, every day has, has got some kind of highlight. That's nice. So little things, isn't it? Hmm. That's what Johnny said as well, wasn't it? He talked about it, it, it's not necessarily the, the big achievements that mean something. It's, it's the, the little differences you make to individuals on a day-to-day yeah. basis. Absolutely. A good example of that is, uh, so in the current job, um, I've kind of created a, an internship process. And a couple of years ago, I was working with a particular intern and we worked together for a year and I was kind of mentoring him through his, his development while he was in his final year at university. And now he's moved on to be head triathlon coach at Millfield School. That wow. kind of stuff is, is kind yeah. of, you know, that's, that's the stuff that, that, that where I get my reward. So what, what do you do? What, what's your role now at the Leeds Triathlon Centre? So it's kind of multifaceted and it was kind of created with, a, with an objective of let's see what we need by getting the right person in place. Essentially what I'm doing is I'm, I'm entirely responsible for the participation programme at Leeds Triathlon Centre, which is students from Leeds Beckett and Leeds and University of Leeds. So the participation program as students and also staff from both institutions as well. So we're kind of last year in the last year we've included staff from the two institutions. So it's kind of, it's about promoting participation amongst the student body and the staff and the, and the staff body. And also I'm responsible for the first tier of the performance program. So the student athletes who are kind of, I guess, the junior, the junior and senior super series standard athletes. I'm, I'm responsible for that for that first tier, and then, in addition to what I do, the centre then looks after the development athletes who are kind of looking at European and world under 23 representation, and then we've got the world class program as well. So in in Leeds, we've currently got the, assuming making some assumptions about the Olympics, we've got them the highest volume of kind of Olympic triathletes from GB training at Leeds. Go on then, I'll drop some names in for our listeners. Well, I've worked over, over the course of working at the Leeds Triathlon Centre. I've worked with John and Al. I've done some work with Gordon Benson and Alex Yee. Sean Rainsley's there, as are Jess and Georgia. You know, the list goes on. Tom Bishop, you know, I've worked with all of these guys and worked with them relatively regularly. Although that's not my main area of responsibility. But to have those type of people in the environment in which I'm working makes it makes it really easy for me to to kind of pass that motivation through to the to the groups that I work with directly from a coaching point of view that that's fascinating to sort of see that in that group that you on that group of names is given and, and obviously mm-hmm. they, they do probably do quite a lot by themselves but actually just have, then you've got the layers below that where people look up to those role models yeah. um, and actually see the dedication what they do what how much they put in um, how prepared they are in terms of equipment and and stuff like that I've no idea whether they turn up with a nice clean bike, but I would imagine they probably turn up with well-equipped bikes and sort of um, and that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean that must be brilliant working in a, in a training yeah. environment where 
you've got these guys who you're not necessarily engaging with on a daily basis, but you, you see them and that people can look up to them and go, whoa, that's what I've got to do. Um, I'm not doing that, or maybe I need to do this more and stuff like that. Absolutely. And that, that also, it also throws up its challenges as, as, as well as its advantages because they, they, they're world-class athletes. They're, they're full-time, whereas the student athletes are students with part-time jobs, with courses and assignments and all this other other stuff to, to 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 produce while they're while they're at university so it's very very easy for them to get sucked into them because at that age as well they're, they're still you know their brains and bodies are still developing so it's it's very easy for them to get sucked into the uh the everything all the time mentality which mm-hmm. that which they see the, the olympians doing yeah and i would imagine trying to keep up with them as well so not just doing yeah. everything all the time but going at the level that they're at and yeah they're not there yet and they're not conditioned for that yet um so yeah so building up slightly um i've got i've got a question but you might have already answered it uh, and that to me was what is your dream role within triathlon i'm probably doing it and there's 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 ways in which i i would like to take it so there's a couple of things that uh i was actually supposed to be in dnipro this weekend for the uh world under 23s with the uh for the european under 23s with the with the team but uh but getting to do more stuff like that getting to kind of support the world-class program to an olympic games that's kind of the 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 pinnacle but at the minute i'm i'm contributing to some coach development at uh at the student level and developmental level uh i get to see young coaches developing through our internship program that's really rewarding so I, I, I couldn't say there is this job that I want to do. I could say there's more things I would like to have experience of. Nice. You've got more to give us, Al. Absolutely. Definitely. And, okay, what's your high point of the journey so far? And it's, it could be anything. It could be your performance. could be coaching. could be absolutely anything. What's your highest? highest? And it doesn't have to be a gold medal, no. although you've got plenty. I'd, I'd say the highest one or the most, the one that gave me the biggest boost, I would say, and partly why I'm here today, it's probably the, when I won my first race in Selkirk in the Borders Triathlon Series, 15 quid to enter, and uh, I won that race. And, oh, my God, I can, I can do this. And that's kicked on. That's kicked on low. So that gave me motivation to train more and and since then, I've, you know, at 36 years old, I did my first elite race. And that, that was bonkers. And then at 37, I'm on the British Elite Championship start line with Alan John. Like, how does, how does this happen to somebody who not 12, 18 months ago was three or four stone heavier and completely unfit? So, so that kind of, that's probably the, the trigger that set me off. So, Al, just going back to that, so... You, you've come into the sport from a swim background, but with a massive layoff. Yeah. You've got hooked because some really good local people have kind of grabbed you and taken you along. Yeah. You've totally overspent the household budget on kit. Yeah. Still using that same kit, by the way. So I invested once well, still got the same bikes. I haven't, new bike day hasn't happened for uh, years. Sorry, sorry, no. Sorry, you can't have a bike for that long. <laughs> it's just not happening on this podcast. <laughs> for three years, it is a necessity to not necessarily upgrade, just add to the just collection. Add, and plus long, yeah. 
any plus one principle of this podcast um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so so you've kind of got all this motivation you've done your first few triathlons what's wow. kept you going though what what's what's what was the um the motivation or the drive to kind of go from you know being dropped in your first bike ride with the club and told to go home mm. to 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 get into that elite status i was having fun throughout that's that's the that's the that's the short version the long version is all of the multi dimensional multifaceted stuff I've managed to be able to do in the meantime so the club supported me through the coaching qualifications I was chair of the club for a long time we saw the lots and lots and lots of kids getting involved in triathlon and I've been able to race at an elite level I've been able to race in Australia Holland Ireland all over the world and now I'm able to work with every day I work with Olympic athletes and practitioners from, you know, from, from world-class developmental programs. So it's, it's the, it's changed. There's always something different happening. There's always something else to, to do and develop. And I've started to, and getting involved in learning has, has helped as well. So off the back of the level three, I then decided what else can I do? So I did a master's in sports coaching, finished that. And I thought like, I've got more, more to do, more to give. Although initially when I did master's, I did say I'm never ever transcribing another telephone conversation in my life. <laughs> but now here I am doing a PhD all around developing world-class athletes. So it's kind of the, the, the multi-dimensional stuff. And I've been able to, I've been really lucky in order that I've been able to make a living from, from coaching and from, from triathlon and now from, from doing a bit of teaching as well. So it's, 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 been, it's always been different. It's always growing. It's always developing. That's the, that's the thing. The key thing for our, for our listeners is is that first word that you used having fun yeah without a doubt that's still i'll still go back to that being the, the single most important thing from your very first triathlon to your very well your very first swim session before you've even thought about entering the triathlon right through to right through to the olympians unless you you've, you've got a self, self a sense of self-determination and you're able to have fun and get some value from what you're doing i, I, I think you're on a you're on the road to nowhere. Two questions to go, one of which is a bit of a joke, but one, um, mm. one question is, uh, is, was around the top three pieces of advice you give someone coming into the sport. And, yeah. and bearing in mind, we're sort of talking beginners and intermediate athletes. Um, and we've all been there at some point. Obviously having fun is, is number one. Mm. Uh, two other pieces of advice. Okay, I would say from you. in conjunction to that having fun, I've, I've got kind of, I've got, I've got three and I'm going to, I'm going to give you another three, but I'm going to link number one to, to what you've already said. So if like me, you're getting involved a little bit later in life, which is often the case in the, in our sport, listen to your body. I've paid the price during season one of subscribing to everything all the time, as I mentioned earlier on, mm. and ended up with an Achilles injury that kind of put me out for, for months. And then I very quickly learned that I'm, you know, listen to your body. Just because somebody else is doing something, you don't have to do it as well. And it, it's, it's, it almost became a disease, the everything all the time thing. People just read something, they'll do it. Read something else, they'll do that as well. Read something else, do that as well. Hear a piece of advice, do that as well. 
and it, it's filtering out the noise and doing stuff that's appropriate to you and stuff that you can kind of understand and relate to, but at the same time, having fun with it. The last thing you want to do, or the last thing I want to do, is go out of the door for a training session because I feel I have to. Yeah. Yeah. Number two, be curious and reflective. Why are you saying those things to me? Particularly if, we, if we're talking to, to if, if our listenership on this podcast is, is athletes who are kind of getting involved early on in their, their triathlon career, be curious, ask questions, question your coach. You know, these guys that we're talking to are both coaches. And they, they, they don't want an easy life. They, they don't want to sit behind a computer and just prescribe stuff. Am I right, Paul? Yeah, I'd rather have an right. athlete ask a sensible question. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, if, you know, there's, what's that saying? It, it, there's no such thing as a stupid question because actually yeah. everybody's going to go through that at some yeah. point or somebody else will be thinking it, especially if you've got a group environment um, yeah. where people go, well, why are we doing that? What's the benefit of that? Yeah. Um, for me, it's not the same for everybody. No athlete should be out on exactly the same program ever. Um, even if they're doing the same event, even if they're starting at the same point, because their bodies will be different. So yeah, 100%. I like so, it. So what I've written is be curious, be reflective. So what? And find a balanced routine. And last one, I've, I've probably put about six points in there. I don't know. I've just, just kind of knitted them together. I but, uh, you, so it's fine. Last one, look after your relationships. Invest in your relationships. Mm-hmm. outside of triathlon as well as in especially outside because it's <clears throat> all consuming mm-hmm. it can be can be absolutely can be yes Trey, i would certainly back that one up and say that training for an iron man is 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 not sustainable year on year on year on year no. because you just you can't sacrifice every sunday for a long ride or mm-hmm. every evening doing your training you've got to you've got to find a balance in there somewhere yeah. and and that is that is quite challenging with some athletes no. um it becomes sort of becomes the be all and end all and it really shouldn't be 100 mm-hmm. percent. at the end of, at the end of the day it's just a sport yeah no, absolutely <laughs> my last question for you alan go on we did a podcast not so long ago uh which was entitled it's bad but i like it and it was all about yeah. nutrition uh, and we asked, we, we've sort of been asking all the, all, the, all the guests as they come on, what, what do you have from a nutritional point of view that's bad, but you like it? So the, the first thing that comes to mind, we can't really go a week without it. There's a, there's a little pizza shop just down Stainbeck Road here in Leeds called Coolfam. So uh, as, as Kate knows, and, and I'm sure Paul knows as well, I, I have... Uh, the, this anecdote where I, where I talk about my separate pizza stomach. <laughs> so when the first one's full, we can deploy the, de- de- deploy the pizza stomach. That's the, that's the big vice. And we, every, every week we, we go down to Colton and have a pizza and just forget about it. And at the same time, we might even just, uh, when we're allowed to, we'll go up the road to, the, to a bar called Further North and have a couple of real ales. Excellent. Pizza so and beer. Pizza and beer. You know, I'm sure I'm not the pizza first. Pizza and beer, basically, yeah. And I'll, and I'll not be the last. But, uh, but yeah, pizza and beer. Yeah, and I think it's also important to sort of get that message across to, to the listeners as well that actually it's okay yeah. to do that. It's okay to have something bad every mm. now and again or to, to have a beer or, or whatever because it's not 
the be all and end all. And and as I just said, triathlon is a sport because I mean we, we're all singing from the same hymn sheet, and mm. um, that's a really positive thing. And it also mm. means I, I I from as a coach like listening to other coaches talk and just like you you I'm sure you do. And um, and it's been it's been quite an interesting uh, conversation. So yeah, yeah, cool. Thank oh, you it's been that. good. It's been good to catch up after such a long time. Yeah, I just finishing that we're approaching people to come onto the podcast because they're people that we know mm-hmm. and that we respect and we trust and therefore okay there are some biases in terms of what's going to be spoken but it is reassuring that we are all working from the same kind of ethos philosophy yeah. and also all the people that we've spoken to so far who yeah. are parts of the triathlon scene from various different mm-hmm. angles are all saying the same things and they're yeah. all you know they're all at different parts of the uk um overseas yeah. so hopefully these positive um coaching relationships nutritional yeah. relationships way we view triathlon and the importance of it in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things um yeah is now far and wide yeah you use a really interesting word there philosophy so I, my question to you two what's your philosophy <laughs> so from a coaching point of view it's it, for me it's it's about consistent training it mm-hmm. doesn't have to be much more than that but consistent training sustainable training and balanced training with the right recovery Okay. And, cool. and implementations of that. What's the process you go through in order to come up with that? Oh, that, that took several years to actually yeah. get to. It, it didn't happen overnight. And I had to learn different ways of doing stuff. And, and, and I guess that's one of the things that's been going on more recently with, um, with covid and being locked down is having to think laterally the consistency was always there but it was about balancing it and making it sustainable was was, was the biggest yeah. challenge and it just took years and years of Absolutely. experience yeah. um and learning on the job uh, i think even even now i'll deliver a swim session and and i've been doing that since i was 18 mm-hmm. yeah. um and i'm substantially older now uh <laughs> <laughs> not quite not quite at the 50 mark yet but getting there <laughs> Um, but yeah it's uh and then you sort of assess those sessions and review those mm. sessions and walk off the pool deck and go well, i could have done that a bit better mm. and if i just said it this way you know mm. you're always learning you're always yeah testing yourself um in a positive way uh, yeah absolutely sometimes it's negative but normally it's positive yeah. and i'm going to supplement that with the coaching philosophy with the manner in which i we work mm-hmm. with people so for me it's about a collaborative partnership um of equals so if i'm working with somebody whether it's coaching triathlon um delivering video advice um or strength and conditioning Mm -hmm. coaching it's about not necessarily being right yeah about sharing experiences and working out the best thing for that individual in front of me um so it's about being adaptive and actually it, it's the conversation that dictates the end point so the yeah. decisions that are made aren't mine 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a joint. Yeah. It's got to be challenging. Yeah. It's got to be fun. It's got to be achievable. And you should walk away with a smile on your face and having learned something. Yeah, absolutely. And that goes for whoever's in the room. That yeah. includes me. Absolutely. Cool. It takes years to come up with a philosophy. Mine, mine's only four words. Which and I've thought about this over and over and over and over. And in fact, I've only just added the latest word in the last kind of 18, 24 months. My philosophy is integrity, compassion, empathy, curiosity. Like it. That's it. That's good. Yeah. And my job, life, well, in, in professional life, is uh, to help athletes make some good decisions. Excellent. And hopefully today, Al, our listeners will have taken lots of your knowledge and will be able to apply them to their own environment to make those decisions to help them in their triathlon and life Mm -hmm. going forward. I hope so. I hope I'm able to give something because I've gained such a lot from being involved in this sport. I hope I'm able to pass some of it on. You have, you do, you will. Thank you.